welcome to another episode of African Business Stories, your insight into female innovators and entrepreneurs building and running businesses in Africa. I am Akego Koye, and on the show today, we continue with our series of focused conversations around the emerging solutions and tools for businesses on the continent. I'll be chatting with Amanda Cotterman, founder and managing partner at Equalife Group, a Nairobi-based venture debt company, advising and investing in a range of sectors in East Africa. Equalife is expanding the funding options available to companies and is currently seeking to raise a $20 million venture debt fund, specifically targeted at sustaining companies through the economic crisis being fueled by COVID-19. Let's get into it. I know that you, you went to Harvard Business School and that you worked at Morgan Stanley in China. Was it in Asia or somewhere? But I know that you speak Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wanted to understand um, how did you come to, to live in, in Nairobi and, and how are you just, you know, if you can just walk us through that. Why Nairobi? Sure. Why Africa? Yeah, I get that question a lot. Um, And it's always interesting because now I'm eight years into living in Nairobi. And so this is home. And I sometimes don't always have the opportunity to reflect on how I got here. Um, But I started my career in Asia, um, as you mentioned, with Morgan Stanley and corporate finance. And my focus when I was in uh, my undergraduate studies was in economics and Chinese studies, as I had seen a lot of the growth potential and uh, had visited several times to see where the economies in Asia um, and China specifically were going um, and had an opportunity through Mm. the work I did uh, to work with some of the technology companies coming out of China and the region on helping them raise capital. Um, And what I started to realize very quickly was that there was a lot of similarities across regions, um, both in emerging and and developed markets Mm. that uh, weren't always able for entrepreneurs or uh, business individuals to connect those dots. And that was an, a value add that I really right. was able to provide having the opportunity to not only travel for work and pleasure, um, but also um, through kind of uh, my past experience, be able to connect those dots. And after being part of kind of the right. tail end of, of the fast growth in China, uh, really wanted to be a part of the next uh, emerging economies that would have similar growth stories. And so I ended up going back mm. to business, business school to start to do my research and see where um, I thought the next opportunities were both geographically um, as well as within the larger business community. And that's how I landed specifically right. on the African continent and, and then into Nairobi. Um, being part of kind of the growing middle class in China um, and, and seeing what was happening there and working with companies that were catering to them, I saw a lot of similar trends um, on the African continent mm-hmm. and then in East Africa. And so came right after business school to Nairobi as an entrepreneur to right. try and build different businesses that I had seen in, in Asia and actually other parts of the world and connect those dots. Um, so there was a plan to it, but um, also <laughs> came, uh, you know, taking a big risk uh, into a new geography, into a new sector um, to really try and add value. That's interesting. So, so what business did you set up or what businesses did you set up in, in Nairobi? 
Yeah. So it's been an interesting journey. My first business that I was working on was in the fitness and health space. Um, but unfortunately, it was uh, in the mall where there was a terrorist attack um, back oh, wow. in about 2013, I believe, at Westgate Mall. And so that mm. was a, you know, a massive learning experience uh, to be mm. part of that, but also to see how you have to pivot quickly. And so right. uh, landscaping to see what are other opportunities and needs in the market, uh, focus on the education sector. And built an early childhood education business from concept to profitability, which was catering to middle-class working professionals in Kenya who were trying mm -hmm. to balance building their careers with also making sure they had safe, reliable, and stimulating childcare for their children. So a concept that has actually been developed and, and successful as an investment in both emerging and developed markets around the world, but hadn't yet um, come to Kenya and hadn't also seen it in other parts of Africa. Interesting. So, so basically you were in Kenya to stay. Yes, but I don't know. I think with everyone's <laughs> journey in life, no matter where you are, you never know where it's going. So it, it has turned into Kenya to stay. Um, but didn't know where this journey was going to take me when I first moved here in 2012. So you are still in Kenya, you sell your education business and you decide to go back into the financial space still as an entrepreneur, but now funding entrepreneurs. Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. Um, well, I've gone back into the, into the investing world, but I still consider myself an entrepreneur as I've, uh, launched this fund. Um, but when I exited my business about two years ago, uh, my career had really transitioned into this venture capital ecosystem. And it had grown right. across the continent um, over the last three to five years. Um, and there's a lot of new equity players who've come in, both informally and formally, local funds, uh, international funds, angel investors. And they were investing equity into mm -hmm. businesses. But we hadn't seen other financial instruments um, that you see in, in uh, other venture ecosystems around the world uh, like debt. And as someone who right. had gone out to raise capital and had those conversations with uh, investors and thought through what made most sense for my business, realized that having different options for financing is really important as an entrepreneur, not only to empower you um, in thinking through how to grow your business, but also what makes you know, financial sense. And so right. I started to play around actually with my own savings to test out this concept and, okay. and through engaging with uh, venture capital professionals from other markets, learned about the venture debt uh, asset class, which is the silent asset that exists in most venture ecosystems. About 10 to 15% of the money deployed is coming through debt versus equity. But it's a, gr a great instrument to allow entrepreneurs to minimize their dilution as they take on more capital to prove out part of their business, to improve and, and grow that revenue, to then uh, increase their valuation at the next round. And so when I started to invest, right. I saw that that was needed in this market. But also you have a lot of venture businesses that don't look like what you see in Silicon Valley or even other venture ecosystems mm. like the Indian uh, uh, ecosystem. And these are these small and growing businesses that are innovating on their business model. Ones that look a little uh, more like brick and mortar versus high tech, 
but have traditional mm -hmm. uh, debt financing needs and can't get those from um, a traditional lender like a bank. Uh, and so started to figure out ways we could structure this right. uh, product for them as well. Uh, so it's been an interesting journey, um, once again, as an, as an entrepreneur still, but as an investor uh, over the last two years. That's great. So what kind of challenges um, have you faced with um, setting up this, this new fund uh, in, in Kenya? And um, what, what markets do you, is it just in East Africa at the moment? Yeah, so right now we're in East Africa because this is the market we know well. Um, we, you know, as someone who's run a business here, I know how to look at these businesses and connect with the entrepreneurs and even be able to um, provide value creation post investment. That being said, we look at investments across the continent. We're constantly uh, engaging with those uh, who need debt financing and seeing if if it doesn't fit with our comfort level, if we can help them before we can raise a, a Pan African fund. But there's always challenges when you're starting something new. And um, it's, you know, for us, it's been really trying to educate the market, teach them uh, what this asset class is about and how they can use it appropriately in their capital structures. Um, and also figuring out how to work with other uh, investors in the market here. Sometimes they're not used to... Um, having to structure or diligence deals in the same way. Um, and we're always trying to find ways to collaborate. Um, but it is a, a bit of a learning curve um, as a new player here. Um, mm. But that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. You have to learn how to adapt quickly. Right. And so we're doing that um, as we face different challenges. Um, so what kinds of businesses have you invested in? Because I know, I mean, when we think of VC funding in Africa, everyone's talking about tech and tech and more tech, you know? So I'm just wondering what other class of businesses, you know, have you invested in? Yeah, so we do look at tech. We've invested in a factoring business, um, okay. which does, um, it's a FinTech business to provide um, a financing to SMEs through their uh, tech platform. Um, invested in a coding school um, okay. that is using, um, uh, you know, different teaching methods uh, remotely and in traditional form to provide higher education uh, coding skills, but also looked at those more traditional, those small and growing businesses that I mentioned. So a few in agriculture, um, okay. a, a milk producer who's actually innovating mm. by distributing milk through what's called a milk ATM. You put in the amount mm -hmm. of money you can afford in milk or need because right. consumers don't need a leader or, right. um, you know, um, a gallon, whatever market you're looking towards here, they just need what they can consume, um, with their cash flow, but also maybe their refrigeration needs. Right. Um, so we've, we've invested in kind of the spectrum from tech to traditional, um, but those who the debt makes sense to come in alongside their equity investors. Right. Right. So I, I also read that you didn't actually set out to be a, a a, a women's only fund, but somehow the majority of the businesses you have funded have been women owned. Um, how, how did you, have you looking back, how do you think you arrived at, at, at that, um, at that point? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it was something very interesting. I didn't realize until it was pointed out to me that 60% of our investments uh, were in female founded and led businesses. 
actually 100% of our portfolio um, has majority female employees. Um, and now that's actually been a conscious switch for us as, as we now focus on gender equality, SDG 8, as we, and, uh, and five with um, economic prosperity and uh, gender equality uh, as we mm. move forward with, with growing our fund. Um, but, you know, I think as I reflect on it, um, as a female founder myself, I really understand the challenges of both raising capital and uh, running a business and some of the struggles trying to articulate your goals and what you're trying to accomplish um, in a very cutthroat um, industry uh, like financial services. And so right. when I engaged with different businesses out there, what I found was a lot of the female founders were a lot more vulnerable in telling their story, uh, their mm -hmm. goals, their vision, and also acknowledging their challenges which um, you don't always get uh, when engaging with uh, those seeking funding because they're really trying to put their first, their, their, their best foot forward and, and pitch you, right. sales pitch. Um, but by these, these women being more vulnerable, either on purpose or not, it allowed us to have a more dynamic conversation and really get to the bottom of, of who they are and, and what their businesses are trying to accomplish and, and if this funding could be useful and appropriate for them. And I've just seen over time with uh, post-investment support, um, this has even been hmm. more relevant as my portfolio companies, as these founders have challenges, both personal and professional, in running their businesses, right. there's a lot more comfort level in um, engaging with, um, with another female as a sounding board and right. coaching them through that. Um, so it's just, it's it's been a, a quite a positive experience, I think, for both of us as it's allowed me to diligence and identify strong businesses um, from, you know, from them being honest and allowing me to dig deeper into who they are. And I've been able to right. hopefully provide that additional mentorship um, as they navigate uh, growing their businesses. That's very interesting. So, so what do you think has been the impact of, of your fund for, for women businesses on the continent? Well, I think one thing is just this access to capital. Um, right. When venture debt comes into the picture, it's at a time where uh, they really need that additional liquidity to get them to that next level of growth to show to the larger market uh, their success. And they haven't been able to access that. And so it's it's just providing another avenue of uh, investment and a different option that they might not have known to, to seek out um, otherwise. Um, and I also, I think it's being able to continue to promote other women. It's all about collaboration. And, um, yeah. you know, you, I, you know, there's the saying out there, you can move, um, faster alone, but farther together. And it's Correct. really going in together with um, our entrepreneurs to help them get to that next level. Um, and, and women don't always have that opportunity or it takes a lot longer to give investors or other stakeholders comfort. Um, and so that's really something we focus on. So, so you talked about um, post-investment support. So what kind of post-investment support do you do you give to to your founders? Yeah, well, it's an interesting one because we are a debt fund. 
And it's mm -hmm. uh, a little bit different on what's expected um, versus what we actually provide. Um, because with debt, your upside is capped. You know, interest is my risk. It's mm -hmm. not necessarily my time. And we know what our return is on that interest right. in principle. Versus with an equity investment, the sky's the limit. It's the amount of support those equity investors provide um, is in helping that mm -hmm. company grow and continue to fundraise, they get to reap. Um, but we still right. believe it's really important to walk this journey with our entrepreneurs. And so we always take a mm. board observer seat to be able to support them in navigating those com uh, conversations with other investors and strategically planning for their growth. And we also help them through our networks on the ground here, connect with other partners, suppliers, customers to help them grow their business. And then our goal is also to help them to become more financially uh, literate and um, sound in how they manage their finance function um, and analytics so that they can go on to be raising more relevant capital, especially on the debt mm. side as they move forward. Part of uh, you know, what we provide is this capital at a time, especially for these small and growing businesses that need debt, um, providing at a time when they they can't necessarily articulate or manage their debt needs in a way that those traditional lenders uh, understand. And so being able to help them figure out how to manage that finance function and, so that they can get to that next level with banks and, and other private investors. Right. So th this is clearly a new type of funding, a new class of funding on the continent. So are people aware that this is available? How, how do you get the word out? How do people know that this is available and that they can actually tap into this, this type of funding? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's new in the, in the sense of, of trying to structure it and, um, and use it as, a, as the traditional venture debt asset class. But there have been other private debt investors and impact investors who have tried to fill okay. the gap in other ways. Um, okay. it's really about, um, pounding the pavement. Once again, like an entrepreneur getting out there, sharing the story, um, providing, um, our support to entrepreneurs and equity investors and in thinking through the capital structure and makeup to show them what makes sense. And if this is the right instrument, the nice thing with debt, I like to say is we're everyone's friend, you know, you right. can <laughs> take it or leave it. There's always another deal for us. And it's a volume game versus equity is about trying to find that secret deal or the best one out there and be the only guy in. So it's really about right. um, trying to help everyone think through what makes the most sense. Because if this makes sense for them, then it's going to be a great return for us. If it doesn't, we're going to feel the pain uh, later. So out there at conferences, out there in platforms like this, um, spending one-on-one -on -one right. time with equity funds and entrepreneurs to walk them through um, what debt and venture debt can look like for them. So, so is it okay for me to ask where you, you raised? I know you started off using your own capital, like you said, but surely you're no longer using just your mm -hmm. capital anymore so is it okay for me to ask how and where you 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 go to raise this capital um to to do all this investment of course yeah as i said start with my own which i always think is the best way to learn because you definitely uh make different decisions when you have your savings right. on the line and then just like any entrepreneur going out to, to talk to individual investors or those angel investors, but more in an LP sense now, 
um, and have brought and have raised from that private investor community. And now, as uh, we're pivoting to try and raise a specific funding for COVID-19 to roll into a larger venture debt fund. Now we're looking to raise from the from the more traditional uh, LPs, like the DFIs out there, foundations, right. uh, family out offices, um, but uh, slowly building those relationships and trust to be able to bring them into um, our funding structure. That's excellent. So how, how do you think being on the ground has 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 helped you i'm sure it has you know because i think that's the best place to be but just from your own reflections how do you think it's it's helped you being on the ground yeah i mean i i don't know how you do it if you're not on the ground in any market um you really have to understand not only the cultural nuances but how these economies right. work and have the networks that you can call on that are trusting relationships to not only right. diligence these deals but but protect yourself, think through, is this the right company you want to go into and get the inside scoop? Um, so it is a, a deal breaker that I'm on the ground and, and it is directly uh, can attribute that to my success here. Um, but it doesn't come easily. I mean, as I said, it's been years of, of building these trusting relationships. And uh, right. I think the most uh relevant to me is running a business here. I know what the consumers look like. I know what the talent pool looks like um, and the challenges it takes to actually build a business. So I can flip that in my diligence process to think through um, what these companies are actually telling me and if this makes sense, um, the story they're, they're, um, they're selling and if this capital can actually be useful to getting them to the next level. Amanda's story of becoming a serial entrepreneur in Africa is truly inspiring. Her recent venture debt fund, even more so. Access to finance is an ongoing issue in Africa. And now we're faced with an economic crisis. Businesses desperately need more funding options. And Equalife might be onto something. So yeah, you were talking about a fund that you set up specifically for, for COVID-19. Um, of course, the, the, the impact of COVID-19 in Africa is still, still to be seen, but clearly a lot of businesses are under stress. And it was interesting to read that um, you, you set up this fund in response. So if we can just hear a little bit about the fund and um, what you feel it, it, it can do for businesses in this time. Yeah, so... Um, when COVID-19 hit in Kenya and across the African continent, we were just inundated with requests for debt, both from entrepreneurs as well as from equity investors for their portfolio companies. And at first glance, uh, we said, gosh, it's really risky now. Who knows what, what's happening out there and, and should these companies be taking on debt and can they service right. it? But reflecting further, realized that actually venture debt is a great asset to adapt in a crisis. And look, that's mm -hmm. what we've been doing for the last two years is adapting the, the asset class for Africa. And we said, why not? There's no rule out there saying you can't keep adapting it. Right. Um, but, in a, but in a crisis, what we found was that the diligence and the approach of choosing the right businesses stays the same. We're just not funding for growth to improve your revenue for the next round. We're funding for sustainability so that right. you can get to that next round and get to it on your terms. And then mm -hmm. we've kind of really put that impact 
focus at the forefront, um, making sure that we look at those businesses that have had a slowdown in their revenue and cash flow, but are instrumental players in the local economy and are uh, employers of um, the local population. And if they had to um, fire individuals or if there mm. was a, uh, a huge slowdown in uh, their operations, it would not only affect the progress that's been made in, in the larger African venture ecosystem, but would also right. have a negative effect on these local economies um, and slow down the you know, post-crisis uh, success and growth for them. And so um, I, I partnered uh, with a, a colleague, Celine, to really focus on this fund. Um, right. And we're out there fundraising. Look, we said, this is a need and we have an asset class and a track record and an understanding of this market. And we have a very strong pipeline we can start deploying capital into today. So we're raising our hand as one option in the market. We haven't seen many others who right. um, have thought through how they can respond to this yet. Um, and we, we hope others will join us. Um, and if others have better solutions, that great, that's great. But right now we're out there talking with with different LPs to see if we can make this a reality. Okay. And what what's the uptake been like? Yeah, so we've had a lot of positive responses from the LP community. And we were we were pleasantly surprised because this is a global crisis and right. we weren't sure, you know, what people's appetite or focus would be on the African continent. We're also seeing a lot of different LPs um, are still trying to form what they're response will be to COVID. It was a little slower than we initially anticipated as um, organizations were really trying to get their staff and their internal um, organization in order before they looked outside. There's a lot of great solutions we're seeing as, as these uh, investors start to reflect on supporting existing uh, GPs and existing uh, portfolio companies. And now I think we're at this next level in the next we're seeing hopefully in the next two to three months, uh, okay. investors starting to see what they can do to help those um, that are new to their portfolio um, and how they'll be able to support the larger ecosystem. See, so that's what I was going to ask. So when when you when the fund is 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 are you going to wait till it's fully funded before you start deploying resources, or are you going to 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 give as you receive, like how, how do you think it would, it would work? Yeah, we would love to be able to give as we receive. And so looking to do um, a first smaller close and even right now out in the market, um, looking to raise for a few of our uh, top pipeline businesses so that we can not only have that impact today, but also signal to the market that it's, it's both a need and an opportunity. It's not a handout. You can actually right. get a financial return from it. Because I think that's a huge worry right now is as many different uh, funders realize this is needed, but there's a fear on if they can actually recoup their capital um, and, and see that return on it. And we want to be able to signal that to the market. That's a really tough one. You know, a lot of these businesses are, are under stress. And like you said, this venture debt is for sustainability, helping them to, to ride this storm. So their ability to repay is could be called into question. So how do you give LPs confidence and comfort in, in the investment? Yeah, well, I mean, LPs have to do their diligence as well. And, and one way they can do that is look at our track record 
They can right. see how we've diligenced businesses in the past, how we track and add value to those investments and, and how we've been able to successfully exit those. And so, you know, historical information is always very relevant. Also being able to look at the existing pipeline and look at our diligence notes to um, see if they really trust the types of businesses we're looking at. But also remembering that this isn't a free for all. It's not just right. anyone who needs money gets it. You know, we still have a, a mandate uh, of, of what we look at and a diligence process for someone to be considered for investment. And not mm. everyone's going to get investment. And that's the hard conversation. We can't help everybody. And so what right. we're saying is within our little focus in the venture ecosystem and the types of businesses we're looking at, can we help? Realizing that others need to um, be able to rise to the occasion and help um, in either donations or investments in other types of businesses, but keeping within our lane and our expertise um, to make sure that we are fulfilling our fiduciary responsibility for investors on not only the impact we're having, but the investments we're making. So do you have any any thoughts about the post-COVID business environment in Africa? I mean, Gosh, that's, <laughs> I'll, I'll look. I'll look into my magic eight ball every year. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> look, I mean, it's been crazy the last two months. First of all, for us all to watch what's happening on the continent as we watch what happened in the rest of the world. So, um, you know, economies have definitely been hit, um, but the spread hasn't been there like we've seen in uh, the northern hemisphere, and hmm. so. There's a lot of unknowns. I think we'd be remiss to say this is a quick recovery. Um, it's probably something around 18 to 24 months before we get back to where we are today. Um, mm. There's, uh, I, we've unfortunately probably made a few uh, backward steps in the economic growth um, in many of these countries, um, but there has been a lot of resilience um, on the ground. Um, I think what we are, are keen to see in the next few months is how the different governments are able to rise to the occasion and right. be able to support either from um, external funding that flows through them or, or through their own funding to support the larger business community here and the citizens of these countries. Um, and I think that will play a huge role in, in really understanding what those long-term effects will be um, in the region and on the continent. Thank you so much for that. Um, so one last question. <laughs> so what's next for Amanda? <laughs> Great question. Look, I'm always adapting, always uh, looking for the next opportunity. Um, have always kept an open mind of where this goes and have always been um, keen to collaborate with others out there. And so, look, it could end up that we are able to raise this money and it goes into a larger fund. It might be that we have an expertise that allows us to join forces with more established organizations and come in-house. Um, there's really no limit on where this can go and just keeping an open mind and having conversations uh, with different stakeholders out there to see how we can collaborate with our knowledge and expertise uh, on the ground here. That was Amanda Cotterman, founder and managing partner at Equalife Group, East Africa's premier venture debt fund. You know, access to capital has been and continues to be an issue in Africa. So we're seeking to highlight companies like Equalife, innovating and pivoting to bring funding solutions to the market. I believe 
that funding for sustainability should be a focus during this period. Well, thank you so much for listening. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast and do write us a review so we know how we're doing. I am Akego Koye and you have been listening to African Business Stories.